You are now listening to, to, to the Current Affair Podcast with your host, Dr. D'Angelo Taylor. This is The Current Affair with your host, Dr. D'Angelo Taylor. Today's guest, well, I'm going to let today's guest introduce himself. Uh, introduce yourself, my brother. Hey, how you doing? So uh, my name is Earl Hopkins. Um, I am a multimedia journalist under USA Today's Courier and Press Center in Evansville, Indiana. Um, so I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. I'm a recent graduate of Ohio University. I just graduated May 2019 from their J school program. And, um, and, you know, so, and then I eventually moved out to Evansville in September of 2019. So it's been about nine months since I've been here. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. All right. So, so Earl, how did you get into the field of journalism? What went off in your mind to say, Hey, I want to be a journalist. You know, like it's crazy. So I would say I've always had a passion for writing. That's probably okay. the basis of where it started, right? So when I was a little kid, I would write short stories, um, okay. you know, my version of what I would thought would be a book. And just and eventually, I just found my true passion, which was just hearing out people's stories and being able to convey it with my words that, you know, I transcribed. So I think that's originally what it started. It was rooted in my childhood growing up writing. And then once I got into high school, I watched a man named Stephen A. Smith, who I'm sure we all know, Okay. Um, on ESPN's first take and just hearing how seeing a black man, right? Like right. command that type of stage and just talk about his experience at the Philadelphia Inquirer and like other things of that nature and just hearing him speak. It just made me want to be like, yo, I want to be that guy. So originally coming into college, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster or a sports journalist. Quickly knew that wasn't really my passion. I had more of a passion <laughs> for, you know, local community, art, you know, film, fashion, other things of that nature. So um, that's kind of how it, you know, eventually came along and it steered me into the journalism, that direction. Now, quick question. When you were in college, did you happen to write for like a local newspaper or a school newspaper? Or how did you how did you build up your acumen to, to, to be able to work for a U, uh, USA Today affiliate? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was kind of all over the place. So okay. when I first came uh, into Ohio University or OU, as you'll hear me reference it often, um, like I wasn't even inserted into the J school program. I had to like build my way in and get accepted. Right. So right. Um, in order to do that, I had to develop a portfolio. So I started writing for um, student run publications and magazines first. Okay. And that was pretty much what I would do. I wrote for a variety of them because I just have, you know, a variety of interests. So I wrote for fashion magazines, you know, local community, I guess. Um, magazines and other things of that nature. And then I eventually, like I said, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. So I actually worked at the TV station as a broadcaster. We have a local TV station centered in Athens, Ohio, where the school okay. is um, called WOUB. So I'm, you know, I just kind of, I was, how I would describe it and summarize it, I was just kind of all over the place because I just wanted to try out so many things at one time. And I wanted to kind of see where, you know, my career would eventually go towards with my passion in mind. So um, my senior year is when I actually first started working for a newspaper. Okay. Um, anytime before that, magazines, TV stations. So I freelanced from Athens Messenger, which is, you know, the local newspaper there. 
I've okay. got that professional experience on that end. Um, you know, in between all my internships, I had ultimately, ultimately, I believe five internships in undergrad. So, wow. um, with, uh, but I think the Athens messengers what got me, you know, the looks from a USA Today paper and ultimately in, uh, in Evansville. So, yeah. And so how, you know, being a journalist, there's a lot of things. There's always, I guess, the rush to get a story out. How does social media play into, uh, your, the, the field of journalism and also, uh, the next question will be, you know, once you look at the social media and everything that's going on and issues that you may feel like are very important, how do you make sure that you're accurate, but also, I guess, expedient? How, how do you do that? So that is the difficulty, especially with newspaper writing. Well, right. it's really journalism in general. But yeah, um, with that, like, so social media aspect of it, right? Sometimes the news or uh, social media can get to the news before journalists can, which shouldn't happen, but often it does happen. And when it does, it's oftentimes inaccurate. So um, that's that's the key. Like you should use social media as a tool to push forward what's obviously valid and truthful. Like that should be secondary, you know, to anything else. Because ultimately you need to get the bulk of the story done, and, you know, and that's based on, obviously, the sources you reach out to as a journalist and how you, you know, encapsulate the story in total. So social media is very important because a lot of people go to social media as a source for news rather than a news. They don't, you know, often people don't new, read newspapers like print editions right. or really go online because of paywalls sometimes. Sometimes that kind of steals right. them away, you know, unless you're, a, you're, you know, a big advocate. So social media should be secondary, but always, you know, obviously get the story done, get it online, on the website, and then, you know, uh, use social media as a tool to spread it out and make sure other people are seeing it as well. And then um, for the second question, you said how to be timely and expedient. That just, that has to come with just experience. You know, right. like, um, that was one of uh, the biggest things that my editor, I'm going to be honest, she uh, she questioned from me. She was mm-hmm. like, with you working for magazines, the bulk of your um your college career and in your internships, I don't, I think that's probably going to be very difficult for you initially. And to be told, it wasn't as bad as I thought, but, um, and that just came, we had extended deadlines at the time, but now over time, just in my nine months of working, we pushed our deadline up about an hour and a half, two hours. So I have even less time, you know, all of us have less time. So, but having that base of experience or, um, skill sets that I learned at Ohio University, I think, prepared me a little bit more than I would have initially um, expected. So um, I I give all credit to OU for that, preparing me to do that and just having, you know, my editors here being patient with me. So so take us to what it looks like to write, let's say, a a very important special interest story or about a topic that's going on. Let's take up what we see now in the news uh, with, you know, Black Lives Matter, George George Floyd, Namari Arbery, Breonna Taylor. You know, take us through a way, uh, take us through the mind of a journalist during times like this. Okay, so the Black Lives Matter and the anti-violence protests, right? So yeah, correct. Something like that, it has so many layers. So I think as an editor, I'm trying to look from an editor's uh, uh, lens right now. So okay. with it having so many layers and with it making such a big impact locally, statewide and in our country and globally, um, you have to think of how many ways you can pretty much highlight it. So one thing I would do as an editor, 
and I've done as a reporter is talk about what's going on in your local community and reference like what's going on around the country and the world, you know? So you need to tackle the protest itself, the reasons behind it, talk to people that uh, are in the midst of it, right. maybe have organized it, um, talk to a police officer and see how it's like, you know, how they feel about it. Um, and then something important that I recently had the privilege of doing, um, I had a, I got a chance to talk to somebody that was, you know, um, what would you call it? A, she was just a beacon in the community, in the okay. community. So I talked to her, you know, she's 69 years old. So right. she's been here for a while. She's, she's gone through other, she's a social, you know, a civil rights advocate highly. So she's had other protests that she's been to. So I was just trying to pick her brain and see how she felt about, you know, the recent ones compared to the ones that she was a part of during the time of Martin Luther King and, you know, other prominent, you know, civil rights leaders that she got to, you know, see and, those movements that she got to be a part of. So you got to cover that as well as, you know, obviously you just got to continue to cover some protests that may be a little right. bit, you can't cover every single one, of course, because it just gets repetitive, okay. um, but cover the ones that are kind of like, you expect looting and, you know, uh, intent. you just expect intense things to, you know, transpire and talk to businesses, see how they stand or see how they will be affected. There's so many layers Okay. Um, so on high profile stuff like that, you just got to make sure you try to feed every single one of those, um, those topics and those sectors of a story. And so how do you protect yourself in the age of what, uh, the term now is fake news. How do you protect yourself as a journalist from receiving, let's say a bad source or a bad tip, uh, and, and printing that? How do you protect yourself as a journalist for someone who's thinking about going into the, the field? Yeah, so how you protect yourself initially just on the surface level is you just have to um, triple, quadruple, check everything that you um, collect as far as the information. So make sure you're talking to a multitude of sources because right. like you said, like sometimes um, people are unaware of how important and how detail-oriented we have to be because we're storytellers. So we right. want to make sure that it's as... Um, truthful, objective, and accurate as possible. So something is, you know, just a couple months ago, I had a problem. Um, I had an issue with a source who gave me the wrong time in the, of an event, right? Like something right. as simple as that, like right. can really like make people question your credibility to a certain extent. Right. So you just have to quadruple, you know, triple check everything that you do. And I think that's the simplest way you can do it. Now, as far as somebody, you know, you talking with somebody that's just um, may be a little, their views may be a little slanted. They may be a little biased. You have to make sure you're talking to somebody that has, that opposes that person's outlook on something to make sure there's a balance. So there has to be a balance as well as accuracy, you know, to pair with uh, the pub, uh, the publishing of a story. So, yeah. And so for any, what advice would you have to some students or younger folks or even adults who are trying to get into the field of journalism uh, through your journey thus far? The biggest thing I would tell them, and it's, it's something that my mentor, Justice Hill, told me, and he's a man that um, has had several high-profile um, editor jobs, you know, from the Seattle Times, Detroit Free Press. So he has a lot of experience, and um, he was actually one of my professors at Ohio University. So, um, right. you know, me and him developed, like, a really good relationship. And one thing he told me was he saw that, like I said, I was kind of all over the place. I wanted to try so many different things. 
um, as a writer, as you know, and I wanted to boost up my photography skills, boost up my video editing skills, graphic skills. What you know, I just wanted to be an all around creative and storyteller. Right. But he told me that's good, and but you need to make sure you have a skill that you're great at. Like right. with you in the midst of you trying to better yourself in these different areas, make sure you have something to you can fall back on that recruiters are going to see and be like, yo, we're going to hire he or she for this role because they're adequate at this, you know? Um, right. So in the midst of during this time, we're as journalists, we're expected to be multifaceted, you know, but make sure that you have something that you're elite at, you know, right. that you can follow. And, and, and so what do you see uh, as some pressing issues that, that are facing the journalism community uh, moving forward? What are some of the hot button topics or some issues even within the field of journalism that you see uh, that are that are going to be hard pressing moving forward? I, oh, that's a great question. I would say the biggest thing is people's distrust for a lot of publications mm, and um, okay. a lot of journalists. They have a lot of distrust because um, the fake news, that whole, you know, term was coined um, yeah. not too long ago. And I think right. since then, um, it's kind of been just people's perception of news media, news outlets. Right. Um, and so I think that's the most difficult thing because sometimes people just splat it out. I've heard it in, because um, I cover education. So okay. I hear it in school board meetings. They're like, well, the media covered this, but they didn't mention this. So right. it's fake news. It's like, no, it's not. It's just most news is not fake news. The bulk right. of news is not fake news. Now, can there be... Uh, inaccuracies brief ones that happen here and there absolutely because like i said like when you're in when you have to be expedient and get stories out sometimes people you know miss details sometimes sources miss details that they fail to mention you know so right. um that's that's something the the perception of fake news is something that's been difficult um but we have to continue to do what we have to do to in order to regain people's trust in media and journalists journalism as a whole. And so, so Earl, you have uh, your own brand that you're developing outside of, you know, your career, career as a journalist. Uh, how did you get started on that, on that particular journey? Yeah. So that started again, back at OU. Um, I sat in, in a session along with my mentor and some of my other peers who I still have, you know, really close relationships with as well. And one of the, the people leading the sessions talked about, the importance of a journalist brand because, you know, to a certain extent, we are public figures. You know, right. our names are in bylines. People attribute our names to our social media pages, our faces to our names. And, you know, that just circumvents, right? So he, uh, the gentleman, like, made sure that uh, it was relayed to us that make sure you clean up any, um, especially on Twitter specifically, clean up any vulgar, you know, statements that you made, any controversial things that you have made because, when people read your stuff, they want to attribute the name to a face. And so right. they go to social media most, you know, most times. So you don't, you want to make sure you don't have any of you party, pictures of you partying, other things of that nature, like on your social media, because it kind of like, um, they kind of have a, a worse perception of who you are, you know, and it may not, they may not be, they may not want to read your, your content. So that right. was first. But that's the basic level, as we know, right? So right. It, as far as building it, I personally made an app. I wanted to build my brand off of just authenticity um, and right. professionalism, obviously. So 
Um, if you go on my social media, you know, I kind of reference things that are of interest to me, like anybody else. But um, I always like to push something that's like positive. I, I'm I'm a I advocate for that. Like when you put positivity in the world, you get it back. So right. that's something I wanted to develop. And I also wanted to just pair my personality with my work because it, as we all know, like the work that you do as a professional, it's an extension of who you are as well. So I wanted to make sure, you know, you can click my Instagram, Twitter. It may be a boring, you know, handle, but it's Earl Hopkins on either one. And you can go to earlhopkins.com. Like, I just I just wanted to make it simple for everybody so they right. can get an opportunity to get to know me and my work because you know, like I said, it's an extension of who I am. So and so with all of these things going on, what are some things that you like to do outside? So when you, you know, decompress from being a journalist, you decompress from your brand. How are some ways we, uh, that you find uh to, you know, de-stress? Because it, it I mean it is a pretty stressful world, and I know journalism is a very time-sensitive field. So how do you de-stress? So with it being so expedient and time sensitive, I try to make sure I'm doing things to like unwind. And typically I want, like, I try to pick things that are like, um, I don't, I don't, I can't say what a better phrase would be, but just slow, just, <laughs> just something that just doesn't take, you know, much effort. Now with me saying that I'm a big health nut, so I love working out, but you know, like I love running because to me running, like, even though you're, you know, going a certain pace, it kind of, it just helps me unwind mentally, you know, right. um, obviously fraternizing with my fraternity brothers. Um, that's always a great time. And just, um, and okay. I, and I hate to say it, but, and cause it does relate to work, but I enjoy doing it outside of work. It's just, just creating. Like I love right. to take photos, you know, sometimes I hop in front of the camera as well, or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I you know, record videos, it's an extension of my job, but to me it's not because, you know, I like to talk about different things other than local journalism. So, um, yeah, stuff like that. And so, Earl, you know, this wasn't as painful. I don't know. How, how would you grade me as an interviewer? You know, because we're coming towards the end of the podcast. How would you grade me as an interviewer today? I'm going to be honest with you. You were doing, you did a great job. Like, hey, I'm I'm being serious. The transitions and everything, bro, right. And see, I didn't, I didn't pay him for that. That that's that's the honest truth. But Earl, at the end of all of these uh, podcast episodes, I want to highlight uh, someone in the community or someone that I know, particularly a black business. So today, I'm going to highlight Mr. Lisa Payne at Nerd Worlds, uh, NerdsWorld.com. Excuse me. And so, Delisa does coding. She does graphic design. She also does website uh, design, and she does it based off of your budget. So, Delisa Payne, this is one. This one is for you. Uh, Earl, I am so thankful for you to, uh, you know, coming in on the Current Affair podcast and for those who have tuned in to this episode. Always and always remember to stay current. Until next time, have a great day. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of. You have just listened to the Current Affair podcast with Dr. D'Angelo Taylor. Episodes will be posted every Saturday at soundcloud.com slash the current affair. Also on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, stay current.